Gospel of Luke, if you will, please. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Oh my, this is a good one today, the dear Lord has for you. Luke 10, verses 21 through 24. Luke 10, 21 through 24. What a joy to be here together, isn't it? I love it. I love it. Someone asked me this morning how I'm doing. I said, everything's lovely. And I mean that. There's uh, ought to be the happiest people in the world knowing the Savior. And our Lord says something here to all of you, and it causes him to rejoice. This is only twice it says that Jesus rejoiced in his spirit, and this is one of them. He was very joyful, our Lord was. But whatever he's rejoicing about, you're going to see at the moment. Luke 10 Verse 21, in that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal it. Now watch this. And he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Let's talk for a few minutes about some things we have been blessed to see. Dear Lord, thank you for the joy of everyone who is here today. Such a privilege to spend some time together and open your wonderful word. Holy Spirit, you never fail. Bless us abundantly. Share your word the way you would have it go forth. Meet every need among all of us today. And dear Lord, I praise you for all you do. For asking in your name of the thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. When Jesus tells his disciples they have been favored by God and blessed by God, He's referring to revelations of spiritual truth given to them by the Holy Spirit. Don't ever take that for granted. Even Old Testament prophets didn't see what we have been allowed to see in this New Testament era. And that's quite an impressive list. Those men, Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, David, all of them, and many more, they did not see what you have the privilege of seeing as far as spiritual truth. <clears throat> I don't do this very often, but I, <clears throat> I got up about five this morning, <clears throat> and I was going through some clips on Facebook, and I saw a clip by Tom Jones, uh, 88 years old now, that Welsh singer from the United Kingdom, used to sing a lot of pop songs, still has a beautiful voice. Uh, but Tom Jones, they had a clip of him before a large audience, and he was singing. He was 88 years old, and here's the thing. He was singing about his dear wife who had died of cancer, and the song, I Won't Stand By While You Crumble and Fall. Now, here's the thing. All those people around there, they were moved by that. It was very emotional. They began to weep, Wayne. They related to that. They saw that. They identified with that. That's the world they know, right? If I had been there and I was an unsaved person, 
I would have done the same thing. But here's the thing. Now that we're Christians, we live in a different world. We live in a spiritual world, another dimension. It is far above any quality of life that unsaved people have. We see things they cannot see. We know things they do not know. And I tell you, it is a far better life than anything they know as an unsaved person. Aren't you glad that you've been blessed to see spiritual things? Far better way of living than they'll ever know. Far superior than they'll ever experience is the life of the child of God. No wonder the Savior said, and he rejoiced, and he said, Blessed are you because you see some things that many people will never see. Let's look at the first thing. First of all, we see the final offering of sin. When John was baptizing on the Jordan River, he looked over and he saw a figure coming, and by divine revelation he knew it was the Son of God, and he said in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. We have lived to see the final offering of sin. That's something Old Testament people never knew anything about. They never saw it. They lived by faith because of it. They were saved on account of it, just as saved as we are today, but they never lived to see the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Aren't you glad you live on this side of Calvary and you have seen the most glorious truth in all the Bible. Jesus loves you, paid your sin debt by his blood, and you can see that, enjoy that, experience that. There's nothing quite so wonderful. And Jesus said, I rejoice because you see that. Amen. That's wonderful. What a wonderful truth that is. According to Hebrews 10 verse 11, the priests came continually offering one sin offering after another on the great day of atonement once a year. They would offer that in the Holy of Holies. They'd sprinkle the blood on the Holy Mercy Seat and the sin debt would be rolled over for another year. It wasn't taken away. It was rolled over until Jesus would come on Calvary. Not paid for, just rolled forward. I remember a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, who had a large congregation at one time and they built a massive auditorium, seemed about 1,400 people, and went in debt for over a million dollars. And it's poorly located and the, the congregation started to trickle down and started feeling the weight of that debt. It's hard to pay back a million dollars. And uh, they, they got them in a jam and here's what they did. Uh, they went to the bank and they just started paying interest payments quarterly on the principal. They couldn't pay on the principal. They didn't have enough to come up with the payment, so they just paid the interest. In the Old Testament, when the Old Testament priest would make a payment, it was a it was an interest payment. The principal of sin remained. It never did go away. They'd pay on the interest, but they never did get the principal because the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. And when Jesus came... The Lamb of God, His blood, He made the principal payment. He paid the sin debt in full, and now it's gone, and you get the benefits of that. If you like that, say amen. amen. You can see that. 
You can experience that. Listen, if you can't see that, you might not even be saved today. But if you're saved, you can see that wonderful spiritual truth. And Jesus said, if you see that, I rejoice with you. There's no greater victory. There's no greater truth than to be able to say, my sins have been forgiven, my sins are all gone because of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no more debt. Listen, that was your debt, but you couldn't pay it. He paid it for you. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, what a Savior is mine. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or take away sin's stain. But Christ, the heavenly Lamb, takes all our sins away. A sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they. Thank God for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wayne, I appreciate what you said about singing that song. Uh, there's power in the blood. You can't beat songs like that. I know there's a lot of new stuff coming out, but I still like the old stuff. I can't help it. But I love things that talk about the precious blood, our redemption, what it means to us, eternal life, a home in heaven. That's something to rejoice about. And Jesus said, you can see that, and I rejoice that you can. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But what else did it do? It removed the guilt and the shame. That's something the Old Testament believers, the people of God in the Old Testament, they could not experience that as such like we do because it was still rolling forward. David said in Psalm 51, 3, My sin is ever before me. Was he as saved as we are? Yes, but it was under a different economy and it didn't have the same consequences. They still felt the guilt of their sin even though they'd been forgiven because there was the law pointing the finger at them saying, Remember what you did. There's no law now because it's been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we do not say my sin is ever before me and we struggle with the guilt and shame of our past. Listen, now we say with Paul in Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation. We do not have that guilt we have to struggle with anymore. If you're here today, listen very carefully. If you're here today and you're struggling with something in your past, and everybody in here has a past. I don't see any halos in here. We're not angels, we're scoundrels. But we're saved by the grace of God and forgiven and it's forgotten, it's removed. Live that way, hold your head up and live like God's child. But if you're struggling with your past, listen carefully. You're struggling with something that does not even exist anymore in God's mind. And you may feel some guilt and some shame, some things you used to do. Listen very carefully. That was under an Old Testament economy. But now that Jesus has paid the sin debt in full, you live on this side of the cross, you can say with the apostle, there is now no condemnation. No matter what I did in my past, no matter how much I regret it, I don't have to live under the guilt of it. I'm free, praise God, I'm free because of Christ. Hold your head up and live that way. You're grieving the Holy Spirit if you do not do that very thing. Wonderful. What a wonderful thing to be able to see. No wonder Jesus rejoiced and said, if you see this like I see it, I rejoice with you in that. The final offering of sin. There's a second thing and a final thing. Do I know what it is? Amen. Amen. 
the fulfillment of prophecies. Oh my. In verse 24, Jesus said, I'm telling you, there are prophets and kings that desire to see the things you see and they cannot see them. They can't see them. Unsaved people are blind to spiritual truth. And you need to remember that when you're talking to them. Don't get frustrated with them. Don't lose patience with them. They can't see. They cannot see spiritual truth. The only one who can open their eyes is the Holy Spirit of God by the glorious gospel and the light of that gospel. It will open their eyes, their scales will fall, and then they can see their need of Savior and you can lead them to Christ. Amen. You can't lead them to Christ unless the Holy Spirit opens their eyes. They're blind. No matter how eloquent you are in your presentation, no matter what you might say or do, they are blind and they remain blind. They're not only blind, they're dead to spiritual life. Nobody can help them except God Himself through His Holy Spirit. And He uses the gospel of Christ and your witness and mine to share with them the gospel. And He uses that powerful message to open their eyes so they can come to the Savior. That's the only way you're here today. You would have never been saved had you not seen your lost condition. Am I right? Amen. You had to see it for yourself. And then you said, oh my, look at my condition. I'm lost without Christ. I'm going to an eternal hell. I need the Lord. And you cried out for mercy and He heard you and saved you. But He opened your eyes and you saw it. What a wonderful thing to see. But then there's the fulfillment of prophecy. The Old Testament prophets, and this is one proof of divine inspiration, Kevin. They would write down things as the Holy Spirit led them, and I believe in word-for-word word inspiration, not thought inspiration. Thought inspiration allows the writer to develop the text for himself. There's human error there. It's word-for-word. Word. Every word of God is pure, the psalmist said. This book is God-breathed. It's divinely inspired. God wrote this book. Oh, he did. And one proof of that is that these Old Testament writers, as their hand and their mind was being controlled and they would write down things the Lord wanted them to, they'd back up and look at it and they didn't even understand sometimes what they had written. They thought, well, I don't know what that means. But it was by divine inspiration. And we're told in 1 Peter 1.10 that the prophets searched diligently to understand these things. My, that's a proof of divine inspiration. Even the writers sometimes did not know what they were writing. They did not see it like you see it. The prophet Isaiah wrote more detailed information about the millennial reign of Christ on this earth for a thousand years than any Old Testament prophet, but he did not understand a lot of what he wrote because he was on that side of the cross on the Old Testament economy. But now that Christ has died and risen again and the Holy Spirit has come, we can see more clearly than they could. Isn't that wonderful? You can see some prophetical things. Frank was talking about this in Sunday school, and all of us were, about the development of things now in the 21st century that was going on back in the day of Amos many hundreds of years ago. I mean, it's a running commentary, isn't it, Kevin? It looks just like it was written just yesterday describing the day we live in. And you can see these things developing 
on the main stage of the prophetic world and you're seeing it in miniature, you're seeing it begin to develop. Like in Matthew 24, Jesus talks about how to be just before he comes back the second time during the tribulation period. Listen to some of the things he says. He says, nation will rise against nation. There'll be war everywhere. That's going on right now. Not like it will on the grand scale when he comes back the second time, but right now you can see it developing. It's happening now. In preview. Somebody said the only time there's peace is when everybody stops to reload. Get ready to shoot again. Betrayal. Hatred among families and people you thought you could trust. All of that. Then Paul picks it up in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and he says it'll also be like this in the last days. Self-love. Lovers of pleasures. Is that not a running commentary on our world today? Everybody wants to have a big time. Listen, they'll miss a house payment just to go somewhere and goof off. They don't care. They want to have a big time. Lovers of pleasure, blasphemer, unholy, sexual deviance, homosexuality, lesbianism, everywhere. You're seeing that today. Are we not seeing that today? It'll be running rampant just before Jesus comes after we're gone, but we're seeing the preview of it right now. Hypocrisy. You say, well, Pastor, that's bad. No, that's good for us because it lets us know the Bible's true and it will not be very long. Here's what Jesus said our attitude ought to be when we see these things start to develop. He doesn't say hold your head down and get discouraged. Listen to what he says in Luke 21, 28. When you see these things begin to come past, look up and rejoice because your redemption draweth nigh. It's almost over. That's wonderful. And we can see that. That I encourage everyone in this room. If they preach, that makes me uncomfortable. Why? Who are you living for? What are you doing here? If that kind of talk makes you uncomfortable, you may not even know the Savior. It ought to cause you to rejoice. You get to see some things. You couldn't see them if you were unsaved. What will you yet get to see? These are things we're seeing now, but what will you see in the future? You'll see our Lord Jesus coming in clouds of glory. Wow. Matthew 26, 64, you'll see the Son of Man coming in clouds of glory. Then you'll see him as he is. 1 John 3, 2, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Listen to this for we shall see him as he is. Have you ever wondered what Jesus looks like in his physical, facial features? He's a man in heaven right now. I don't know how tall he is. He may be six feet tall, but he's a man in heaven. He's there in physical form. But what does he look like in his face? What are his facial features? Have you ever thought about that? What does he look like? Actually, when you look into his face, when you look into those wonderful liquid eyes of love, what does he look like? By the way, 
if you miss people that you used to, you know, they have high school reunions and all, I haven't seen people in 40 years, and you go back and you don't even recognize them anymore, and you think, my life has not been good to them. They're ugly as mud and fence. Wow. But have you ever wondered a mud fence? That came from Alabama. A mud fence. That's ugly. But what does Jesus look like? Honestly, what does the Savior look like in his face? Looking into his face. We shall see him as he is. Oh my goodness, Aaron. What does he look like? He has to be absolutely beautiful. You normally don't say a man is beautiful, but this is no ordinary man. This is the Son of God. Wonderful glory. You will melt when you see him. You'll be speechless when you see him. Words will not come. You'll see him as he is. That is something you will see because you have been saved by the grace of God. Jesus rejoiced in that. He said, someday you'll see me face to face. And that's not all. That's the best thing of all. But you'll get to see loved ones. According to 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, we'll be caught up with them, with them, our loved ones, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You'll be with your loved ones. You'll be with your loved ones. Wayne and Diane, you'll get to see Andrew, is that his name? Andrew. All this wonderful, marvelous. You get to be with your loved ones. How great that is. Seeing them, Jesus said, I rejoice with you today because you're going to get to see me and your loved ones again. My, my, you can't improve on that program. You can't improve on that. Show me something the world's got that'll match that. They've got nothing. When they draw their last breath, no matter what they have accumulated or live for or breathe for, it's gone. You've never seen an armored truck following a hearse. You can't take it with you. Only thing that matters is where you are with Christ and this spiritual world that you're supposed to be able to see into. You'll be able to see your loved ones. You'll reign with him on this earth a thousand years according to Revelation 20 and verse 4. But guess what? Satan will be bound during that time. Amen. Isn't that right? Oh, that's wonderful. Imagine living on this earth with Christ for a thousand years and no devil. Wow. Amen. <laughs> There's one omelineager doesn't believe in the reign of Christ on this earth. He said the devil's bound right now. Well, if he is, he's on a long chain because he gets around a lot. And he comes by my house sometimes, and I don't like it. But he will be bound. There'll be peace on earth for a thousand years. It'll be as close to heaven on earth as you could ever imagine. And then after that thousand years, Satan will be released from, from his prison in the bottomless pit, and he'll try one last time to overthrow the prophetical plan of Jesus and fail. Fire will come down from heaven, devour him and all of his allies. And while the fire is coming down, it will destroy this earth, 
this earth is going to be destroyed. It was built for a purpose by God. Then it'll be destroyed, everything in it. And then he'll make all things new. Time will be no more. And eternity will begin for us one eternal day in heaven. Can you see it? Do you see that? You're supposed to be able to if you're saved. And Jesus said, kings and prophets dare to peer into this and try to figure it out and look at it and they can't understand it and they can't see it. But you can. Isn't that wonderful? Some things we've been blessed to see. The final offering of sin and the fulfillment of prophetical things. And it's happening before your eyes in preview right now. And someday it will all be full blown and Jesus will come back. And all of these things I mentioned for the future will begin to roll and start and go forward. And it's going to be absolutely phenomenal and glorious. And you'll be glad you stayed by the stuff and waiting for our Savior to return. So hold your head up. Live like a king's son and daughter because that's who you are if you're saved. And the best days are honestly going to come. But let's bow for prayer and our musicians are coming, if you will, please. I can honestly say this to you and I wouldn't say it were it not true. The best days are ahead if you know the Savior. You get a new body. There are people in this room that have struggled this year physically. Hurt physically. You get a new body. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Not ever again. But there may be some of you who cannot see these things. You say, preacher, I know the Lord, but I don't know what you're talking about. It's foreign to me. All the things you talk about, I don't even relate to them. Then it's very possible you do not even know him. I want you to know him today. If I'm a church member, it doesn't make any difference. If you cannot see these things clearly, and it moves you and makes you want to live for these things, then you need to look at that again. Some of you may have burdens today, and I say may have, all of us have them. But you have very specific things troubling you today, things bigger than you are, more hurtful than you could ever handle. You may need some help. Some of you may be struggling with your past. Oh, preacher, I messed it up. Oh, I wish I could live that part of my life over again. I would have never done that. Please don't do that anymore. You're grieving the dear Lord when you do it. That doesn't exist anymore. Go on with your life. Go on with your life. Live it. Enjoy it. Live for your Savior and for your family. Do what you need to do. But I wonder why she plays. Let me ask you something first of all. How many of you say, Preacher, I'm saved in the grace of God. I'm saved to know it. You see your hand? I'm saved to know it. I'm saved in the grace of God. Thank you. Maybe some in here are not sure you're saved. You're really not. I want you to know that you know that you're saved in the grace of God. Do you relate to spiritual things? Do you live for spiritual things? Are you in this world that I talked about with Tom Jones? That's another world. That's the only world unsaved people know. They can't see what 
Christians see. They live in an ulterior world. Mind of so many things have long passed away. How many of you say, Preacher, I have special needs today, burdens on my heart. God knows what they are. And I want to be remembered in prayer. Preacher, pray for me. Lift your hand, please. God bless you and you and you. Let's stand if you will, please, everybody that can. Everyone standing. If you need to come, the dear Lord knows why you're coming. You let him help today. Wayne, what are we singing? Page 216 in Churchill. Sunday school when you was a little boy? He said, I sure did. He said, it probably won't do me any good either. That's, we don't want that here. We want everybody to hear about the Lord Jesus and raise your children up in Sunday school and church. We want that for you so much. God bless you. But have a good afternoon. Be careful. If you're going anywhere over the weekend, you may still be going somewhere, a short trip or something. A lot of people be driving back in tomorrow, so please pray for them, if you will, please. And it's good to see all of you. Thank you for coming. And God bless you. Brother Terry, uh, would you pray for us, please, sir? Dear Heavenly Father, come to you, Lord. We thank the Lord for you. Thank the Lord for this night, Lord. We thank the Lord for everyone here today that we might bless them in a special way, Lord. Be with the ones that are traveling today. We ask you to protect them, Lord, if they drive down the road and fly in the air. Lord, we ask you to be with them and bless them in a special way, Lord. Go with us today. Be with God's blessings, Lord. I was behind the cross. 
Amen. 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 Amen.